Abraham Lincoln wrote some great things. Did he also write about Uncle Sam's webbed feet? We'll find out from Douglas L. Wilson, author of Lincoln's Sword, Presidency and the Power of Words, when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. It's the one level playing field in business, the Internet. It's where an artisan working out of a small shop can look bigger than a multinational corporation. But to achieve this level of visibility, your company's website needs a developer who knows the net and how to make it work. Your company needs Apsio. Apsio's success comes from producing websites that reflect the attitudes and uniqueness of their respective organizations. Make a great first impression on the web. Choose Apsio, A-P-S-Y-O. For more info, visit www.apsio.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking with Douglas L. Wilson, author of Lincoln's Sword, The Presidency and the Power of Words. We were discussing in our last meeting some of the public letters that Lincoln wrote not speeches, but letters that were intended to be read aloud or published uh, to get his points across. And then one written in uh, the late summer of 1863, the, uh, the Conkling letter, uh, I was just asking the question about whether the conclusion to the letter, a sort of lighthearted summary of how the war was going, might have been written by someone other than Lincoln and, and stuck in there. Uh, but you know, Jerry, that isn't the conclusion of the letter. And I thought hard about uh, why Lincoln put that section in. Uh, and I had to conclude, there's a lot of, he got a lot of reaction to it. I had to conclude that he knew what he was doing. He knew that this was not not the serious, not the intense. Um, he was put, he was making a strong argument. He was meeting people right on, saying, you, you disagree with me about this, but now listen here. It's that kind of letter. And then, and then we get this passage, but it isn't the end of the letter. The end of the letter, it's just before the end. The next part of the letter is this marvelous uh, image, word picture, of the black man fighting for his freedom. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very vivid, as you know, and uh, he's, he has him with the clenched teeth and uh, with poised bayonet, and he's screwing up his courage to fight for his freedom, and he's fighting for, for all of us. So he has this wonderful ending in mind, and I think that, uh, this is speculation, of course, that that sort of comic, mock um, um, uh, heroic sort of thing at the, just before the end with Uncle Sam's webbed feet is a kind of release of the tension so that he can um, make his ending more effective. He can come back, having get the readers to relax, uh, to not feel on the defensive, and then drive the last point home. So uh, there, there's no suggestion in your mind that that was drafted by anyone else? No, I don't think so. Um, Michael Burlingame was on the show a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about Lincoln's writing, and of course the issue of the Bixby letter came up, which you don't uh, address in this book. Uh, right. 
but I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? Did Lincoln write the famous I, letter to the, think, the widow who lost five sons? I think uh, uh, Michael makes an awfully good, a uh, very strong case for Hay. I don't see how it could be much stronger. I'm most uh, he's he starts out with this idea that Hay actually clipped the Bixby letter out and posted, pasted it in his clipping book with uh, his other writings, um, and that's a strong suggestion. But uh, and he's supposed to have mentioned it to people. The the evidence there is more indirect, but. The fact that he uses words that are not in Lincoln's known vocabulary, two words, I think, both uh, beguile and osage, osage um, I think that that's very strong evidence that uh, beguile doesn't sound right to me. Once you are aware of the fact that the word uses beguile, that is not a Lincolnian word. Uh, he doesn't think in terms of beguilement, uh, if you would ask me. Uh, and so I'm... I'm impressed by that uh, evidence. We're never going to know for sure. We're never going to know, but what Lincoln may have sort of roughed it out for Hay and uh, or contributed to the language. Um, but uh, but there's a good. Uh, it seems to me pretty strong evidence that Hay may have written the whole thing himself. And you do a little bit of of that kind of uh, content analysis in this book, or you mention. We were talking in the earlier segment about the sub-treasury speech of 1840, yeah. that Lincoln does use words in his early writings or speeches that he, he basically gives up. Yes. Yes, I, the, the passage that I quote from the Lyceum Address, he uses a whole string of you words, um, words that beginning with you or UN, and I looked them all up in the index, uh, which you can do online now at the Abraham Lincoln uh, Association site where they have the collected works available that are word search. They have a word index at the end, and you can see how many times Lincoln uses the word, and then you can go look at the instances. But um, no, I I think that's uh, that's an important thing to do. Now, much of what you write about in this book is, is this book is really about Lincoln's writing, and I, I thought it was just a, a fascinating book to read. It's It's not... Um, it's not overly long. It's something that I found interesting as someone who who's spent a lot of time with Lincoln, but I got the sense as I read it that you were giving enough description of what's happening in the war and elsewhere that, that somebody relatively new to the subject could enjoy it as well. Did you have an audience in mind when you were writing this? Yes, I did. I wanted to write for the um, for the general audience with an interest in history uh, in general and uh, Lincoln in particular. And of course, uh, if you have an interest in literature, fine, but I wasn't, I didn't aim it at the person whose interest was primarily literature. And and uh, I'm glad that you found what I said about the war um, acceptable because uh, it's very rudimentary for the most part. Um, and I am just filling in the picture just just enough to contextualize the writing that I was talking about. Um, I think that works really well. I I did not, uh, in another book published this year, um, Harry Stout's book on the the moral history of the Civil War, uh, I have have written elsewhere in North and South and on the show, uh, said that I, I did not think that was successful at all in that the author tried to write an entire 
history of the Civil War, along with making uh, a very valid point about an interpretive point, uh-huh. but you can't do both, it seems to me. Yeah. Um, he would have been much better served doing what you do, which is just give a few points. Uh, but by trying to give a whole general history, it just exposed what the author didn't know about the Civil War, and it really right. hurt that book. But uh, yours, I think, does it the way he ought to have done it, the way the way someone ought to if they want to reach the general audience. Well, I'm glad to hear that because, as you know very well, I'm not an expert on the Civil War. I haven't spent, as so many of our friends and colleagues in the Lincoln world have, spent their whole lives studying the war and Lincoln, and um, and I always defer to them. Um, right. And if I can if I can do this without making uh, serious blunders, I feel I've done well. Well, I, I, I certainly did not notice any as I was reading this. Now, you talk about how successful Lincoln was. You spend a lot of time showing, and this is a real strong point of the book, the uh, uh, the method Lincoln uses. You have lots of images of the actual manuscript showing where Lincoln crossed words out, put new words in. So we really get inside the mind of the writer as he changes from draft to draft, which, again, it's one of those things that if you tell someone that's what the book's about, they... they stretch and yawn and kind of look the other way. Yeah, they, they But it's like a detective like story. It's really interesting to read uh, how, how these, these famous texts that we all know so well, like the Gettysburg Address, emerge from this labor. Um, in the, the introduction, I'm supposed to ask, did he really write it, the Gettysburg Address, on the back of an envelope, <laughs> riding on a train? <laughs> uh, well, of course... Uh... I think most people by now know that he didn't, but uh, but that was a wonderful myth, and apparently it prevailed uh, with the general public for a long, long time, but I think most people now know that that isn't the case. Um, the whole business of how it got written is still um, kind of a mystery. Um, the evidence about the writing of it is uh, not does not produce one clear-cut thing. What I think is different about my approach, um, very different from uh, Gabor Borat, who has written a, uh, a good new book about uh, the Gettysburg Address, about, about the Gettysburg Address and the, and the, the event. Uh, but I came at it because I was trying to learn how Lincoln did this. I was I started out with interest in the manuscripts and what those manuscripts showed us about the man in the act of composing. And so that's why I focus so much on them, because I think it all starts there. Then I went looking for evidence of um, what anything I could find about what uh, illuminates the writing of it. And what I discovered was a pattern, and you can see the pattern very clearly in, uh, in 1863 when he writes um, three of the most important um, public letters almost in a row, and then and then the Gettys- followed by the Gettysburg Address. In the three important letters, the Conkling letter and the... Um, uh, and the, the Corning uh, letter. Corning letter. Uh, the Corning letter is first, and then he, he does another one, and uh, a similar thing for, the, for Ohio, the Burchard letter, and then the Conkling letter. But even before that, the, the um, Greeley letter that came just the year before... Um, you can see that he's already written or prepared the material for the writing before, and, and then he chooses the occasion to use it. He doesn't get a petition uh, from the Albany people and say, oh, well, I'm going to sit down here and answer their points. 
he's already got, as he tells somebody, a drawer full of notes, um, of points that he wants to make, and that he um, he decided when he got that, and, and it was a time that uh, that that the public needed to see uh, something from the administration. There had to be a response. The the feeling about civil liberties being um, curtailed uh, was a concern not just of Democrats, but the Republicans were getting very concerned. And uh, and it was a low point in the war, the the disasters of the spring of uh, of '63 with Chancellorsville, and then Lincoln or, or Lee invades um, uh, Maryland. So Lincoln said, "Okay, this is the time." So he gets out the stuff that he has been piling up in his drawer and writes. Now that's we've, we've got other examples of him doing that. Uh, Herndon talks about the way he wrote the House Divided Speech was to write out these little scraps, which he was always filling out, little notes. And he says that he took his hat off, and he had his ha- had all these scraps of paper that he'd written these notes on in his hat. He laid them out on the table. He began to organize them. And he began to number them, and then he wrote out his speech. Um, there are other examples of him doing this, and so it's clearly that's what he did with the Corning letter. The Burchard letter is an extension of the Corning letter. They're both about the curtailment of of uh, civil liberties, defending himself, and then, the, then we find a draft that he's he says somebody he, he's he gets invited to go to Springfield in August to give a speech, and he thinks about going. He would like to go back, but he thinks it's too far to go, and he's too busy, and so he tells somebody, uh, Nicolay and Hay tell us this. He tells somebody, uh, I guess I won't be able to go, but I. We'll send them a letter, and it will be a good letter, too. I argue that it's a good letter because he's already written it. That is, he's already written the, the first draft. And what we have is a draft that he, it's the second half of a 12-page document. The first half was obviously about the draft. We can tell from what runs over onto the seventh page. Uh, in fact, it's almost probably very much the same thing as he, an opinion on the draft that he read to his cabinet later, he decides, I think he's thinking, I have to respond about the draft. They had draft riots in uh, New York, and he was under a lot of pressure for the draft, um, and and about the black soldiers. And he has to, as he tells Douglas um, that fall, um, he has to wait until the black soldiers have, have proven themselves in some battles before he can do this. Well, in the summer of 63, they did, and so he was able to. He decided to make his speech mainly a defense of the use of black soldiers, and that's what the Conquering Letter is about. And he's got that prepared, and he seizes upon uh, that occasion to use the material that he's been working on to defend the use of black soldiers. He decides not to take on the draft, it's, and I think he does it because he doesn't think he can. It, 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 it's not as uh, it, it's a harder sell, and he can. And this business of black soldiers needs public attention and uh, public defense, and he gives a brilliant defense, and it won over all kinds of people who had been resisting him, uh, um, especially uh, in the letters. The, these letters that you quote are almost always successful. The the Conkling letter certainly is. The Greeley letter has its good effect, and I, I'm. Was curious as I read this, uh, knowing you had to be selective in what what you could put in a book this size. Were there any Lincoln writings 
that were serious missteps? Did he did he go wrong ever? Well, I originally thought that I would write something about the Robinson letter, which is a letter that didn't get sent. Um, I think most people know that uh, Lincoln was the kind of writer he was always writing. This is one of the things I try to show, and and that he wrote a lot of letters he didn't send. He just needed to write them, uh, and that 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 satisfied the, the need. But um, he contemplated sending a letter to a Democratic editor named Robinson in August of 64 when things were really bad and he thought he was not going to get reelected um, to try to answer the criticisms of people like Robinson who said, look, we, even though we were Democrats, we defended you and we sided with you because you said you weren't just trying to, you, weren't, you were doing this to save the Union, not to get rid of slavery. And now you've said that the that you're not willing to talk to Jefferson Davis unless he's willing to give up slavery. So that doesn't sound that sounds like you're pulling a double deal on us. Uh, how how what am I going to tell my readers? Lincoln made two drafts of that letter to try to. Um, and when Douglas uh, Frederick Douglass came to see him, um, and and I think he called him in, um, he had him look at one of those drafts. We're not sure which, um, and. And Douglas says, don't, don't send this letter. It's going to be misunderstood. Lincoln thought he could maybe defend it without backing away from emancipation. Douglas warned him that if you do, people will think that you, and you'll, you'll disaff- there'll be disaffection on both sides. Um, so the Robinson letter is, a, is an interesting case, um, and I thought about writing about it, but I didn't. That was one where uh, Lincoln saw that it was better not to send. Better not to send it. And uh, unfortunately, as happens too quickly each Friday, we are out of time already. Uh, but, Doug, it was a pleasure talking to you as always. I, well, I enjoyed it very much. I enjoy listening to the episodes on your uh, on your website where I can listen to... Uh uh, to um, interviews that you've done in the past. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad. I hope other listeners will do the same, and I certainly hope listeners will get hold of this new book, Lincoln's Sword. It really is uh, a, a, an engrossing read. Enjoyed it very much. Well, thank you for the compliment. And listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.